in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. That's right. You are listening to the 30-something movie podcast. This is episode number 79, coming out on July 20th, 2016. Episode number 79, we are going to be talking about the 80s cult classic Highlander. And you know what? We've already had our musical intro, but I feel like I feel like we have to have another musical intro here. Um, we've got Pat, uh, one of our co-hosts. Pat, he's probably going to be coming in a little bit later. Uh, couldn't make it right at the beginning here tonight, but I have with me Hefe Mazuka. Hi. There's Hefe. Uh, and of course, I am your host, John Reed. Uh, Bo and I believe Dennis are not able to make it tonight. If for some reason they magically show up, it'll, it, it's a kind of magic if they do. Um, but if they magically show up, then we will throw them in later on. Uh, but in the meantime, Jeff and I here, we are the princes of the universe. I kind of feel like if I went back to teaching in the classroom again, I, I would do intro music, kind of like how professional wrestlers have intro music. That'd be awesome. I, I want to do Princes of the Universe as my intro music. You know what? Starting next year, feel free to walk into my classroom anytime playing that. Done. I'm just going to carry a, a, a boombox on my shoulder, and I will just walk into your classroom, and I'll hit play on the on the cassette player part of it, and I'll just walk in. Or, you know what? You can, you can just connect to the Apple TV from right out in the hallway. Start playing it through the uh, through the projector. What 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 you? These are new things. I don't know what an Apple TV is. Oh. I, I don't. I, I work in cassettes. I don't really know what you're talking about. Oh. Never mind. I'll I'll learn these newfangled things though. Okay. Is this like those shiny things they call laser discs? Yes. That's okay. Exactly. What you know. Awesome. Laser discs, man. That was a thing that never worked out really i had a friend that had a giant projection tv and a uh, laser disc of the movie tombstone and we would constantly go over at his house to watch tombstone <laughs> it was lots of fun <laughs> usually the response was anybody want to go watch tombstone i'm your huck i'm your huckleberry uh, you know what yeah i haven't seen tombstone in i don't know how long sharon and i have to watch it that actually became a tradition that um Either it's her on, birthday thing, right? It was the birthday thing. Yeah, it was like around either on her birthday or around it. We would, um, because at the time in college we were Poe, and so we would get a Tombstone pizza and we'd put on Tombstone, and so we'd eat Tombstone and watch Tombstone, and that was our once a year annual thing. And we haven't done it yet because we're in the midst of uh, self destructing ourselves trying to get ready for a, a garage sale. So, oh, how's that working out? How I, much of your stuff is she making you sell? No, actually, see, I'm I'm the one that's that's kind of pushing this whole thing because we have never. Uh, my family used to have garage sales all the time, 
and we have never really had a garage sale in the entire time that we have been married. Um, and so our house has a lot of stuff in it that was collected from different family members, things that they like furniture. They're like, well, we don't want this anymore. Do you guys want it? Well, we might use it at some point. Sure. So we'd store it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then it's now been 13 years. And some of the stuff we're finding, like we're, we're pulling things out. And we're like, oh, oh, we still have that. Okay. Um, we haven't used it in 13 years. I don't really know that we're going to use it anytime soon. So why don't we clear some space and use the things we have and, and do that? So actually, I'm 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 probably I'm probably the one that is giving away things the easiest. Like it's it's comes a little easier for me because we move so often. When I was a kid, we used to have garage sales once a year. So yeah. it's I, I don't have too much of a problem if I'm not using unless it's Star Wars. Well, of course, if, well, if it's Star Wars, it's not going anywhere. I don't even know why I asked this the other day. I was going through Nora's room with her, and we we're going through some toys, and I said, "Okay, keep or sell." And she was doing pretty good. She said, keep this, sell that, keep, sell, 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 keep. She's like a little, a little day trader. And we got to the point where she had this little, is it Play School or Fisher Price? It's got like the little people, it's the Millennium Falcon. And it's got like a little Han Solo and a little Chewbacca in it. And I don't even know why I asked the question. It, I'm a horrible person. But you I asked hope, her if, you, if she wanted to sell it? I think I asked the question, this was your brother's and he gave it to you. Do you still want it? And she said, no, sell it. And it was at that moment that I felt something tear inside of me. And I don't know why I asked her that question. What I should have just said is, can daddy have this? When I was talking to my mom, I said, mom, we're going to give away the entire house. If it's not bolted down, it's being sold unless it's Star Wars, because there's kind of a story going around in our family about how all the garage sales we had when I was a kid, and she would pull things that I did not want sold, and much of it was Star Wars and He-Man and G.I. Joe and all those things, that one episode where we started like on this whole tangent of 80s toys. Yeah. Yeah, I had all those. They all got sold unwillingly in a garage sale. Thanks, Mom. Uh, I used to have two Rancors, two giant Rancors, one with a Han Solo action figure stuck down his throat. But I digress constantly. So, where were we? Uh, we are, actually, you know, we are jumping into, I think you said you had a couple things for some new movie news. Uh, yeah, kind of new movie news. Or, uh, what do you, what do you got? Hit, hit me with it. Hit me with it. Uh, first thing I got, so a new trailer for Magnificent Seven came out. Ooh, have not seen it. And... Um, I don't know. I'm still very cautious. I was going to ask, how does it make you feel inside? I'm, I'm, I'm still very cautious about it. And I'm trying to think about what, you know, why it, that story has worked in other incantations and why this one make me feel nervous. And I feel like, because this one's, a, they're redoing it as another Western. Whereas the other ones were either... Well, you have the Western, right? You have Mag Seven. Well, you have uh, Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai, yeah. And then you have a Western genre with Mag Seven. Then you have Three Amigos, which is kind of Western-y, but yeah. I think different enough to where you're not drawing that same comparison, so it still works. And then you have Bugs Life, mm-hmm. which isn't a Western. So again, it works. But I think, I don't know, with this one, they're just... 
now it's like too close, too similar, but still trying to make it very different. Okay. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm hoping that it's not going to screw up the movie in any way. Yeah. But I don't know. So, right. yeah. What, what were you going to... No, I, I haven't seen the new trailer. I When I did see the first trailer, I, it was interesting enough to me that... You know, it wasn't like, like, I love Seven Samurai. I, I love that movie. It's probably one of my, you know, if I go back to my list of classic movies that I love, it, it's it's up there. It's probably not in the top 10, but it's, you know, it's probably up in the in the top 25. Um, and I remember when I saw the trailer for the new Mag 7 movie, probably the most intriguing thing to me was Vincent D'Onofrio. Because I like him. Mm-hmm. I like him as an actor. I like seeing, you know, when he does, when he does parts that are kind of out there, I've loved him in Daredevil. Um, you know, I, that was probably the thing that intrigued me the most was seeing that he was going to be in this movie. And, and I was curious then to see it because of that. Is there anything that's just grabbing? And again, like I haven't seen the new trailer, but is there anything that's just grabbing me about this movie and saying, you must go see this in the theater? Not really. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of my feel with it is that it's just sort of like, okay, they're trying to do this thing. And it looks as though they're, not taking themselves too serious, like they're they're taking themselves seriously enough within the context of the movie, but not really taking themselves uber seriously, where they're trying to create this dramatic, uh, epic western. So I don't know. Well, yeah. I'll keep an eye on it as it rolls out and uh, see what happens. Now, when is that? Uh, do you have the release date on that one? Is uh, that September? Not in front of me. I want to say it's September. Yes, September twenty third, twenty sixteen. Okay. So yeah, well, I mean, we'll see if if they do any more trailers or TV spots or anything. Because yeah. I haven't seen any any TV spots for. No. I've only yeah, seen I, a couple of trailers online. Yeah, I, it may still be a little early for TV spots, but um, I, I mean, just looking at the cast here, I mean, it's got a great cast of people. It's got uh, Chris Pratt, it's got Denzel Washington, Peter Sarsgaard, Ethan Hawke, Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, Vinny Jones is in it. Yeah, I mean, just looking down the list of people that are going to be in this movie, it's it's full of some great actors and, and you know, some people that are fun to watch. But, yeah, I, I, just, I just don't know that there's anything right now that's that's really grabbing a hold of my imagination and saying, you must come to the theater to see this. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my feeling with, with it as well. Which, unless I've got a theater that's doing like a, you know, $5 every Tuesday kind of deal, I movies are so expensive anymore that it's got to be something special to get me to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. We took the kids, um, was it when we were in Texas, we took the kids to see Finding Dory at an Alamo draft house. And I, I might've told you guys about this. It was expensive. Like, I mean, I know they have the, I know you order the food there and everything else, but it just, I, I don't know that I was, expecting it to be quite that much to, to take a family of four to an Alamo draft house type theater where you get your meal and you buy your tickets and, and all that. So I, unless it's something, unless it's something real special or unless it's a discount theater, I'm, I'm kind of hard pressed not to just wait until it comes out on video or, or iTunes or Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and it's only because I really love the original Mag Seven. Mm-hmm. 
that I'm very cautious about doing this as, as a, a straight up remake. Right. And see, and see, I don't have that history with Mac seven. I I've seen bits and pieces of the original, but I've never sat down and seen it all from beginning to end. But they've changed, they've changed it up a little bit, but at the same time, not, I don't know. It's, um, in, in the original mag seven, it's this group of, of, uh, seven guys that come together to protect a small Mexican village. Yeah. Well, according to the trailers, it's a, uh, I don't, I don't know what the community is, um, but it's a female seeking out protection against some villainous threat. So El Guapo. Might, it might be El Guapo. I think it's El Guapo. I mean, he's, he's infamous. So, I mean, he could be in multiple movies. He's not not limited to Three Amigos. True, true. Infamous. 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 Wow. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, so what was your other movie? Did You said you had a couple of new movie news things? Yeah, well, so I have a couple, you know, I have like four or five things that I jotted down. Do I wanted it. to do it. Hit me, I, hit I me, hit me right in the face so with your long. new movie news. I, it's been so long since I've... Uh, joined you so i was reading up on the future of indiana jones yes and i don't know if you heard any of the sorry i said that in kind of a creepy way let's back that up so i've been reading up on the future of indiana jones yes indeed (laughs) (laughs) and so i want to read you this quote from uh disney ceo bob Iger. I, I think I know the quick, go ahead. I think I and know what it is. He says, right now we're focused on a reboot or a continuum and then a reboot of some sort. We'll bring Ford back. Then we have to figure out what comes next. That's what I mean. It's not really a reboot. It's a boot, a reboot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, what the hell are you trying to say here? That means you got Harrison Ford. Um, and he agreed to come back for one more, and you don't really have a plan for beyond that. That's what that means, is that they, they're maybe so focused on Marvel and Star Wars that they're like, oh, we, we've got this Indiana Jones guy over here, too. We bought that, didn't we? Right. That came with the package, huh? Yeah. It's, it, maybe it's kind of on the theme of a garage sale. Maybe it's kind of like you just buy a whole box of stuff at a garage sale, and then you get home and figure out what's inside of it. That's a risk, though. Well, yeah. It's paid off well for Disney. Yeah. Well, I remember a few years ago when they were talking about after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull did not do so well, um, and they were talking about how they still wanted to do more Indiana Jones movies, but they were kind of thinking at that point, all right, it's probably time for a reboot. And I think that was right around the time that Chris Pratt was doing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And so I think I remember hearing a lot about... um, his name being thrown around as being like yeah, a, a new yeah, I remember Jones. that. That and you know that'd be pretty awesome. I'd be fine with be, that because I really? thought his character of Star Lord would have been a great. I mean that when I look at that, I'm like, okay, you know, he's got some seriousness. He's got some got some humor there, and we can kind of tone down some of the. I'm just a big oaf type thing, um, but the, in watching him in Jurassic World, I thought, all right, that's kind of an Indiana Jones type character. I can I can see this guy as a new indie. Yeah. But yeah, no, that, that quote from Bob Iger, it was Bob Iger, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that quote from Bob Iger is not filling me with reassuring, warm, fuzzy feelings. 
No, I ju- it just left me really confused and slightly concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, if they need to focus on Star Wars and and Marvel and and all that stuff, go right ahead. But if you're going to do an Indiana Jones movie, please have a plan for it and please make it decent. Yeah. Don't just yeah. You know, don't just have it be something where like, oh yeah, we've got this and we need to do something with it. So let's throw something out there. But like they have Spielberg on board, right? So I mean, they, they've got a couple of key players in in place. But at the same time, they just like like you said, just doesn't seem to have any sort of sense of direction, right? And clearly, if, you know, I'm mean, granted if there's probably stuff going on they can't talk about yet, right? But man, you got to give people a little bit more than, yeah, we're doing this thing, but we're not sure what it is or how it's going to work or where it's going to go, but we're doing it. And I think the next indie movie is set to come out in 2019. Yeah. So they've got, they got to start figuring something out. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cause I'm, cause I'm taking, I, we've, we've been talking about this a little bit, uh, back and forth. I'm taking John to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Actually, so awesome. I know. Um, so we won't be able to record next Monday night. We'll have to find a different night because I'll be in the theater with him Monday night. Um, but we're going to go see it in the theater. And I kept telling him, like, you know, the other movies, we can watch them at home. I just want to watch the first one with you in a theater because it's awesome. Um, I said, I have the other ones on Blu-ray. He's like, oh, you've got all the other the other four? And I said, well, five's not out yet. And he's like, oh, okay. Does it come out this year? I'm like, no, no, no. They, they, got, they got a couple of years to go. Said, oh, okay. All right. So then we've been talking about this back and forth, and I keep thinking about it. I'm like, you know, it's really not that far away. It's really only, when you think about movie making time, it's only two or three years until this movie would need to be finished. Mm-hmm. And I have not heard anything other than, yeah, Harrison Ford's in the movie and Steven Spielberg's back. And I think they've got so much to clean up after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that, I mean, what do you do? You just say everybody died? Yeah, like, do you pretend it didn't happen? Right. You know, pull in, what, Aliens 3? Here's what they do. Here's what they do. What they do is you find out that the entire thing was a dream, and Harrison Ford, at the beginning of Indiana Jones 5, crawls out of the refrigerator that he was in that kept him from getting blown up in the nuclear blast. Oh, that would be so awesome. He got knocked unconscious in the fridge. How do you not suffocate? And he, um, cause dream time, you know, have you watched inception? It only takes like a couple of seconds for him to dream. And then I stand corrected. There you go. Well, you're sitting, but that's okay. Well, I sit corrected. And there you go. I do too. Usually. Um, but I, there you go. Do it as a dream. It was a dream inside the refrigerator. He's out. It's Indy five. Let's go. But yeah, no, I, I want them. I want them to do this right. Um, you know, I, I don't want them to just be like, oh, yeah, we got this Indiana Jones thing. Um, let's do a, a, a boot, a reboot. A, what do you call those things? A, a prequel, a sequel, a trequel, a, whatever. Yeah. A Triscuit. He, he seems so confused himself. It just, it, I don't know, left me feeling, like I said, uncomfortable and confused and worried. And You've got the guy who's in charge of Disney sounding like he's on the uh, jaywalking segment on the, the Tonight Show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, so I've got I've got two more things. Go for it. Um, this uh, let's see. This one I'll wait and hopefully Pat can will be here for this one. Okay. I think he just texted. He's in the middle of fighting off an immortal, and he should be here pretty soon. 
Okay. So then we'll jump to this. Okay. So Stranger Things. Yes. Every person and their brother and their cousin's brother and, and their dog and, and even going back in time has told me I need to watch this. I will join that group of people and okay. animals. Okay. You need to watch this. All right. When my sister texted me, all she texted was, 80s, Bowie, Aliens, go. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much pretty much it. I mean, it's... So I watched the, the whole series. It's only eight episodes. Okay. So I watched, I watched all of them over the weekend. And uh, very Spielbergian. Okay. Um, but, it, and, you know, it's got that... Spielbergian through the uh, through the eyes of a child, mm-hmm. right? So you know it's got that ET vibe, and then there's you know a little bit like uh, a Goonies thing going on, um, Close Encounters thing going on, and really towards the end it, it becomes more X Files ish. Mm-hmm. So is it similar to is it similar to Super Eight? Yes. Okay. I like Super 8. Now, that, to me, that always has, um, you know, I, that always has that Steven Spielberg vibe to it. Oh, I know he was a producer on so it. So it's like Super 8, except maybe a little darker. Okay. Um, which isn't a bad thing. That's cool. Um, and, I'd buy uh, that for a dollar. I, I, I really enjoyed the series. Like I said, it's only eight episodes long, but I, I really enjoyed it, and... Um, I mean, there were parts when I felt like it was being a little bit drawn out and they could have cleaned it up a little bit. But um, overall, I don't know if there's a plan to do a season two. But the way it ended, it, it ended with some question marks still in the air. And I think I'd be okay if they decided, no, that's just how it ends. Okay. You know, think on that for the rest of your life. We're not going to tell you how this, how it's supposed to get wrapped up. Yeah. If I understand Hollywood correctly, there will for sure be a season two, but I haven't heard anything about, uh, about them doing another season. So if they wanted to keep it just like an eight part mini series and leave it a bit ambiguous, I'd be okay with that with, uh, with, with, with the, the final things that were left hanging out there. Uh, Winona Ryder, fantastic. Really nice job. Um, I can't remember the, the, the guy's name that's in it. Um, he played, I don't know, did you watch the, uh, watch the newsroom? Yes. So he was the other anchor. Oh, yeah. Not wow. Jeff Daniels, but the other one, I think name was Elliot. Yeah. So he he has a pretty significant role in the series. He plays the town chief of police. David Harbour. Is the I'll take your word for that. Yeah, that's the actor's name. He plays um, Chief Hopper. He did, he did a, a really, really nice job with it. And for casting a group of pretty much unknown kids. They all did. I, you know, just, it was really well cast. Um, really well. 
the story was was really well executed like yeah. i said except for some parts where things were just sort of drawn out because i think they were trying to fill x amount of minutes per episode okay um but no i think i think you would really dig it for sure okay yeah i, I have to give that a try although i might wait a little bit because usually when i get into a show like right at the very beginning it always gets canceled Every show I've ever liked from the beginning goes one season, and then it's done. So that's why I waited. You're welcome, everybody. I waited a couple of years on Game of Thrones. Otherwise, that show would not have gotten off the ground. <laughs> you you have that much power in Hollywood. I, I am. I am. I'm. I'm big. Well, yeah, but you know. Okay, what was your other new movie news thing, Jeff? Before you finish that it's sentence, it's because fast food is readily available. Well, yeah. All right. So anyway, so the last thing I wanted to bring up was about John McTiernan. Okay. Director of Die Hard. What did he say to you? Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Went to jail for a little bit for lying to the FBI or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know the details. Was recently released from jail and started just going off on modern movies okay so think about like i don't know whenever i hear john mctiernan i go to die hard mm-hmm. so he starts talking about um superhero movies and he says these films are made by fa- uh, fascists said you know okay and then he goes on to say and i'm going to read this just so i get it right yeah captain america the cult of American hypermasculinity is one of the worst things that has happened to the world during the last 50 years. Hundreds of thousands of people died because of this stupid illusion. So how is it possible to watch a movie called Captain America? Um, Says the man uh, who made Die Hard. So, and then he goes on to say, comic book heroes are for business. Okay. Um, Pretty sure his movies wouldn't have been made without that same sort of thing. Right. Like, you need to provide a guaranteed moneymaker for you to make the kind of movies you want to make. Mm-hmm. And here's, and this one, was, I, this is on Mad Max Fury Road. His only, and I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know how right or wrong he is. That's a great movie. I'm, I'm assuming he's he's way off because his comment was corporate product. Hmm. Okay. Did he see it? I I don't know. Okay. But I was I was just reading all these quotes in, in, in an interview he gave, and I'm like, what the hell just happened to him? Mm-hmm. And when did he go to jail? Uh, it was pretty recent. Okay, because I'm looking and he hasn't made a movie since 2003. It was within the last year or two, I think, that he went to jail. Okay, well. Yeah, I mean, I just, he was just out for destroying modern Hollywood for reasons I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at his, uh, I'm looking at his list of movies right here and he doesn't have a whole lot. He's only directed 12 movies. Predator. Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, Medicine Man. I, I like that movie, Medicine Man. Uh, Last Action Hero. And like uh, they're decent. They're some of them are great films. Others yeah. are, you know, they're decent. 
but I feel like a lot of the criticism that he's making could easily be, you could lump his movies into the same category. Right. Thomas Crown Affair. I mean, I, you want to do a remake, fine, but I don't, if you're going to criticize stuff for being business and Hollywood, I, to me, a remake is almost the definition of business in Hollywood. You're, you're, yeah, taking, so. you're taking material that's already been written and already been used and you're, you're just remaking it. One of his last movies, Rollerball. I mean, I did not see that one. I don't think. Neither did anybody else. <laughs> uh, LL Cool J was in it. He might have seen it, but. Yeah, so I, I, mm. I think maybe he was just, uh, he's just bitter about going to jail. He's just cranky. Or whatever. But if he wants to get back into making movies, that's probably not the way to go about doing it. Yeah. No, I mean, if he was, wants to do little artsy films, I guess he can do that. But And really, like, calling uh, the cult of American hyper-masculinity being one of the worst things that's happened in the last 50 years. Yeah. No, there have been some pretty significant, awful things that have happened in the last 50 years. Right. Like I, I, so I don't know what his point was, or, or what he was going for, but he came across as very bitter and angry. Hmm. Yeah, no, so, that's that's certainly not the worst thing to happen in the last fifty years. There was the Fifth Element. That was probably the worst thing to happen in the last fifty years. Yeah, well, there was Red Sonia. Now, why you got to do that? And really, there was Highlander. Ooh. Are, are we getting your opinion already? We, we 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 could segue that way if you'd like. Oh man! Well, let me go. Let me go get my segue out of the garage sale pile, and I'll ride on right on this segue with you. Yeah, I don't know. Just to kind of finish up that thought, I'm I'm looking down his list of movies, and I I knew most of these, but I'm looking at them going, the hyper masculinity, the but the the predator and the diehard. And yeah, the, talk about hyper masculinity. And the more diehard, and the movie called Last Action Hero. Um, okay. I, I think and, he's. I think he's like, like he's saying that you know, uh, superhero movies are nothing but lies to children because you're letting children know that they'll never have a story told about them because they're not as great as superheroes are. Um. Or imagination? Yeah, so... Hmm. I don't know. Okay. All right, well, John McTiernan, love your movies, but you've now become cranky old guy. Yeah, he's turning into Alan Moore. There we go. Yeah. Speaking of which, I look forward to some discussion about comics. Yes, we, we got to get into that. Maybe sometime in the next couple of weeks we can sit down and do one of those. All right. Um, yeah, because I want to do one on... I want to do one on the Man of Steel miniseries. Have you read a lot of the ones from 86? No. Okay. We've got the Man of Steel miniseries. I want to do something on uh, Watchmen. Yeah, I, um, I can definitely join you on Watchmen. I okay. can talk about Mouse a little bit. Okay. Mouse because I have not read. i got to read Mouse. I, I've read it a couple of times. Okay. And I've had students as young as elementary uh, grades, fourth, fourth and fifth grade, I've had read Mouse. Okay. Yeah, I had, when I taught social studies, I had kids in my class read it, but I, I myself never actually have read Red Mouse, and I, I know I need to because it's good. Yeah, it was, it's really good. Okay. But anyway, we're here to discuss Highlander. We're here to discuss Highlander, and apparently you what? don't like it. So um, 
Let's, Why don't you uh, give us some background on Highlander? Why don't you give us a little bit of background? First of all, we're going to warn you right off the bat. We Well, we've probably already spoiled some things. The fact that uh, John McTiernan is cranky old guy now. Um, but uh, we do spoil the events of all the movies we talk about. And we spoil the events of all kinds of stuff. Because we may mention other movies in relation to the movie we're talking about. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go away and then come back eventually after you've seen all this stuff. Or Oh, all right. I'm going away. Okay, see you, Jeff. I don't want to be spoiled. Okay, bye. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes as well if you have not done that yet. Uh, 50 million stars, whatever the maximum is. I, I haven't even looked. So 50 million stars, go ahead and put it up there, um, and we will greatly appreciate that. Uh, so again, Je well, Jeff has left, so I guess I'm here by myself now, um, and eventually you know, Pat should show up at some point. But why don't we get on into talking about Highlander? I'm back. Oh, you came back? Yes. That's fine. I realized that I saw most of the movie, and okay. there's not much that's going to be spoiled. Okay. All right. There we go. I have a feeling that your opinion is going to be, just based on what you've said, because you and I have not talked about this yet, I have a feeling your opinion is going to be in line with Siskel and Ebert after I listen to their review of it. Let's, uh, let's go forward and see what happens. I, we'll see what happens here. We'll see whether we start to feel the quickening or not. Um, all right, so this came out on March 7th, 1986, was rated R. Uh, the director was Russell Mulcahy. He directed Highlander 2, the uh, crappening, uh, quickening, sorry, it's... <laughs> It's easy to make that mistake. Um, Resident Evil Extin Extinction and several episodes of the MTV series Teen Wolf. The producers on this one, they tend to produce a lot of stuff together, and they produced pretty much everything. Highlander, uh, the movies and the TV series, Peter S. Davis and William N. Panzer, who died in 2007. Uh, they have a production company together, so I think they just did everything together. The writer for this one was Gregory Wyden. He did Backdraft and The Prophecy. Have you ever seen The Prophecy movies? No. Oh, if you want to see, especially the first one, the other two are okay. I think they were straight to video. Um, but if you ever want to see, like, really, well, let me back that up a little bit, because he's always creepy. If you want to see a great example of Christopher Walken being creepy, then watch The Prophecy. Mm, no? No, no. Okay. If, if, you got, if you got some time to kill... It's, it's kind of a fun movie. Christopher Walken plays the angel Gabriel, who has decided that he can do a better job of, you know, taking over hell than Satan. So he's going to do his very best to try to beat everybody at their own game. Hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a fun little, you know, if you've got like an hour and a half or so to kill, it's a fun little movie. I'll see if it's ever uh, on Netflix. Yeah. Um, a couple of the other writers, Peter Bellwood did Highlander 2, The Crappening. Uh, Malevolent and Phobia. Uh, Larry Ferguson, another writer, did Beverly Hills Cop 2, The Hunt for Red October, which, as I understand it, is, a, is an example of the hyper-masculinity uh, of the American male. Um, who directed that movie? Uh, I'm going to have to look it up. Okay. All right. I want to say, say McTiernan, but, okay. I mean, that doesn't sound like something that he would want to be involved with. I, I think it was. Old Man McTiernan. That's what Old we're going to call it. Old Man McTiernan, who lives next door and nobody goes into his house, and it's a lot like that house from Apt Pupil, if you saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from or where it's going. Uh, Larry Ferguson also wrote Alien 3, which is a great movie, and I don't care what anybody else says. Uh, the music for this one was split between Queen, um, the lead singer Freddie Mercury, of course, dying in 1991. Uh, the only other movie that they really did some of the soundtrack stuff to was Flash Gordon. Uh, and then Michael Kamen, you say Kamen or Kamen? I'm going to say Cayman. 
Okay. We'll go with that. He, well, he's dead, so he can't argue with me. Uh, he died in 2003. He did the music for, I, I like a lot of his soundtracks. He did the music for Brazil, Lethal Weapon, Adventures in Babys- Babysitting, Die Hard. Die Hard. That's another movie that's the exact, I'm just going to let it go. Um, he did the music for Roadhouse, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the, the 93 version of The Three Musketeers, X-Men, Band of Brothers TV series. Um, his X-Men is probably my, one of my favorite movie soundtracks. Really? I, I love that soundtrack. Yeah. I usually, I don't go, I don't run out and buy a soundtrack right away, uh, unless it's Star Wars, but I think when that movie came out, I I don't remember how I would have heard some of the soundtrack, but somehow I heard it. Maybe I went to the movie on opening night, and I immediately ran out and bought the soundtrack. I, I really like the X-Men soundtrack. Uh, budget for this one was $19 million. The box so, office for this one. Speaking of, speaking of music. Yeah. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. Yeah, go for it. There's a video going around online right now of two kids playing the Star Wars theme outside of John Williams' house. Like, one's on a trumpet and one's on a, uh, I think, E-flat horn. Okay. Um, and they just, you know, they have music set up and they, they play the Star Wars theme. And he comes out afterwards to come out and talk to them and shake their hands. <laughs> and Really cool, really cool video. That's awesome. Now I need to look up where his house is. and <clears throat> Right. I think I have a kazoo. That's a start. There we go. John, baby, I'm on the way. Um, all right, so budget for this one was $19 million. The box office was $12.9 million, so did not make back its coin. I could see that. All right, now. Uh, starring Christopher Lambert. I'm going to say Lambert because he is French. Uh, as Connor McLeod, he's the French Scotsman. Uh, Connor McLeod or Russell Nash, whichever one he is at the time. Uh, he was in the Highlander movies Mortal Kombat, Fortress, and Beowulf. Uh, Sean Connery played Juan Sanchez Villa Lobos Ramirez. Uh, he was in the James Bond movies Hunt for Red October, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, The Rock, The Name of the Rose, and millions and, and many and other sundry things. Um, Clancy Brown, beautiful human being, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. I don't even think I need to say anything else. Just Clancy Brown. Mm-hmm. 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 But anyway, he played the Kurgan, or Victor Kruger. Uh, he was in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, Starship Troopers, Shawshank Redemption, SpongeBob SquarePants, and the Superman animated series as the character of Lex Luthor. Uh, Roxanne Hart played Brenda Wyatt. She was in The Verdict, the TV series Chicago Hope, and Letters from Iwo Jima. B.D. Edney played Heather McLeod. She was in The Name of the Father, Prime Suspect, and Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day. Alan North died in 2000. Uh, he was Lieutenant Frank Moran. He was in the TV shows Guiding Light, Another World, and the movie Glory. John Polito was Detective Walter Bedsoe. He was in Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Big Lebowski, and The Man Who Wasn't There. Sheila Gish played Rachel Ellenstein. Uh, she was in Danielle Steele's Jewels, Mansfield Park, and Highlander Endgame. Hugh Quarshie played Sund- Sundra... Hmm. Back it up. Start it again. Sunda Castagir. He was in Nightbreed, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and a TV series called Holby City. Peter Diamond was Iman Fasil. Uh, he did the stunt work for Star Wars Episodes 4 and 5, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Doctor Who. Billy Hartman played Dougal McCloud, 
He was in a TV series called Emmerdale and a movie called Slaughter High. James Cosmo played Angus McLeod. He was in Braveheart, Train Spotting, Troy, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And Celia Imry played Kate McLeod. She was in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace and the Bridget Jones movies. Rotten Tomatoes. The critics gave this one a 69%. The audience gave it a 79%. Siskel and Ebert. All right, here we go. They both gave it a thumbs down. Neither one liked this movie at all. Uh, Ebert said, I have a couple of quotes from each one of them that I thought were kind of funny. Ebert said, this is a garage sale at the home of a berserk screenwriter. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd enjoy that. (laughs) That's fantastic. He also called it a very silly and boring movie. Um, Siskel, uh, they were talking for a second about some old, um, kind of like sword fighting type movies. And, uh, Siskel referred back to the old movie Vikings, um, and said Vikings was better. And that was a bad film. Uh, I saw this in one of the best movie theaters in the United States. I saw this under the greatest conditions. It was one of the lousiest films ever. So there we go. Uh, cinema score. People gave this a C plus. So does that mean, hold on a second, I, I need to, we need to back this up. And not that it's the same crowd of people coming out of the movies, but I just need to see something real quick. I want to see, when you compare the cinema score, oh man. Okay, so Howard the Duck got a higher cinema score than Highlander. I can see that. Howard the Duck got a B minus, and Highlander got a C plus. Ouch, Okay. Uh, awards, oddly enough, there are no awards for this one uh, that I could find on IMDb or other websites. And a quick summary for this one, Connor McLeod has discovered after dying that he's immortal, which is what you do. Uh, now he must duel other immortals through time to the death until the time of the gathering when the final immortals will fight for the prize of ultimate power. From another time comes a man of great power. You talk funny, Nash. Where are you from? Lots of different places. A warrior of incredible strength. You've the devil in you. We've been kinsmen 20 years. Connor McLeod was my kinsman. I don't know who you are. Because you were born different, men will fear you, try to drive you away. man uncertain of his future. What you got here, Brenda, is a guy who's been creeping around since at least 1700. It's not possible. And haunted by his past. Wait a minute, Nash. I want some answers. You cannot die, McLeod. I am Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. I was born in 1518 in the village of Glenfinnan on the shores of Loch Shiel. I am immortal. <laughs> A hero who is about to face his greatest challenge. You will always be weaker than I. What can you tell me about a seven-foot lunatic hacking away with a broadsword at one o'clock in the morning, New York City, 1985? Not much. For he is not alone. In the end... <laughs> There can be only one. 
Wonder, there can be only one. And here we are, we're the princes of the universe. Here we belong, fighting for survival. We've come to be the rulers of the world. Uh, Gregory Wyden wrote the screenplay as a class project at UCLA. He was traveling through Scotland on vacation, came across a suit of armor, and wondered what it would be like if that knight was still alive today. The original script was a little more serious and violent. Connor McLeod would be born in the 1400s instead of the 1500s, because that makes a huge difference. Um, Scottish people were totally different 100 years earlier. Um, his wife, Heather, did not exist in the original script. He was betrothed to a woman named Mara, but when she learns that he's immortal, she refuses to marry him. He leaves the village instead of being banished. Uh, Ramirez is also a Spaniard, born in 1100, instead of being an ancient Egyptian, as he was in this in the finished product of the movie. Uh, the Kurgan was also known as the Knight, um, and I don't know if he was supposed to be English or, or what he was supposed to be, but he was not the savage that the Kurgan, Kurgan was. Um, this script allowed immortals to have children, and there was no such thing as the quickening, and there was no prize. So a lot of that kind of Highlander mythos stuff was not in the original script. The climactic battle was originally intended to be filmed atop the Statue of Liberty. Then it was changed to an amusement park, and ultimately they chose the rooftop scene that you get in the movie. The opening scenes were also originally supposed to be a uh, National Hockey League game, but the NHL heard that the film crew was supposed to emphasize the violence of the hockey match, and they kind of said, no, 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 that's not what we want showing up in a movie. We, that's not the, not the reputation we want. <laughs> Whatever. Um, several scenes were actually lost in a fire at a warehouse. Uh, one was a duel with an Asian immortal. Another was a scene in which Connor and Castagir go clubbing. So, I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Uh, Christopher Lambert was learning English while filming this movie. He knew almost no English when it began. Uh, other than James Bond, spoiler alert, Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez is the only character Sean Connery has played more than once. That's a spoiler alert because he dies in the movie but apparently it comes back in the second one. Have you seen the second one? You know what? A long time ago. I don't remember enough. I just remember it was bad. I, I barely even remember. I remember that it messed with, well, we'll get into that in a little bit, but I remember it really messed with what I liked about the story of Highlander. The TV series was better. I do remember watching that, but second movie, not so good. I vaguely remember there being a TV series called Highlander. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I, I didn't watch it religiously. I wasn't. I wasn't there every week watching it, but I do remember catching it sometimes on TV, and I liked it. I mean, I, I I paid as much attention to it as a teenager does when watching an action TV show. Stuff blew up and people fought with swords. Uh, let's see. Clancy Brown scared some of the crew because they felt he was becoming too much like his character. Apparently, he really got into it. Um, he was very nervous. You know, I actually looked this up. He would have been 27 at the time that he played the Kurgan. Really? Yeah. He's only 57 now. Huh. So 30 years ago, he would have been like, well, when, whenever they filmed it, I think they filmed it in 85. So he would have been like 26 years old when he played the Kurgan. Yeah, that kind of threw me for a loop for a second. So, but apparently he got really into it. And so he, like the crew actually came to the director and said, you got to keep this guy away from us because we're kind of freaked out right now. And Clancy Brown's a big guy, too. I forgot to look up how tall he is, but he's, he's an intimidating gentleman. He's like 17 feet tall. Uh-huh. I, I think that's accurate. 
Um, let's see. He was pretty nervous about playing the role, and he felt he had to apologize several times to other actors uh, because he was getting so into it. Apparently, one of the scenes where he charged in and, and cut a table in half, he nearly decapitated Sean Connery for real, and Sean Connery stormed off the set. Um, they apparently made friends later, but... Um, and then he went back after the scene was over, uh, Clancy Brown went back and apologized to the priest and the nuns for his dialogue in the church scene because he felt so bad about it. Uh, originally Clancy Brown almost turned down the role of the Kurgan because he had just been in a movie called The Bride in 1985 in which he played Frankenstein's monster and he had such a horrible allergic reaction to the prosthetic glue that they used Mm -hmm. that, um, they had to stop filming for three weeks, um, because it just totally knocked him out. So he almost turned it down because he knew this one would also require some prosthetics and he was not thrilled with that. But apparently they came up with some new technology that allowed it to be, uh, that it did not cause that allergic reaction that he had in the first one. Uh, Kurt Russell, we mentioned this last week, but Kurt Russell was originally cast to play Connor McLeod, but backed out, uh, opting to play Jack Burton in Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, Mickey Rourke was also offered the role. Rutger Hauer and Nick Nolte had been considered for the Kurgan. Um, and then I'm going to ask this question a little bit later, but uh, supposedly they are remaking the film, and they have tapped Dave Bautista to play as the Kurgan and Tom Hardy to play as Connor McLeod. So I do have a question about that later. If they really are remaking this movie, what would be what actors would you have in the parts if, if you don't like the movie as it is and they were to remake it, who would need to be in this movie for you to like it? Um, so I'll, I'll ask that a little bit later. So let's just start it off with, uh, was this the first time you saw it? This was the first time I saw it. Okay. So you did not see it in the eighties. No. Okay. Um, I don't feel like I missed anything by not seeing it in the eighties. Okay. Or maybe I did miss something because I certainly didn't enjoy watching it when I did. Okay. So what did you, what was it that you did not like about this? Is there anything you can pinpoint and just say, yes, this, these are the things. Um, well, so I'm going to quote Sheila Benson of the Los Angeles times when she wrote her review. And she said, in spite of a sturdy cast and dazzling production design, Highlander is stultifyingly jaw droppingly achingly awful. All right. I kind of feel along the same lines. I hate it. I hate it when writers mince words like that. (laughs) Right. Um, It's the garage sale of a berserk screenwriter. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I think part of it was uh, Christopher Lambert. Mm -hmm. I just, I had a hard time wanting to care about, him about his characters. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't, I, I just, I didn't care about him at all. Um, you know, I, it was kind of like when I first watched that movie, the room. Have okay. you ever seen that? Yeah. With uh, Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Like it was like watching Tommy Wiseau trying to, trying to act. Okay. And I just, I didn't think that, uh, I didn't think that Christopher Lambert was any good. Like, you know, yeah, he could do some of the physicality that was necessary, but I think his, 
lack of understanding of the English language. And because of that, uh, English language context just didn't work right. It's like, you'd be like, read this line, and then your character laughs, and then he'd just be like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. But he wouldn't really understand why his character was supposed to laugh, so it just it didn't feel real. Yeah. Or did, yeah. It didn't feel, ge- feel genuine. Okay. Speaking of feeling genuine, Patrick. Hey, what's I, happening, everybody? I, I feel a gathering coming on here. That's right. I think we're about to have a duel. I think so. And I'm sorry. I brought my sword last week for Big Trouble in Little China. And then I'm like, dude, tonight's the night that I should have brought. Well, I should go. I'm going to go get the sword. So it'll be here. Okay. Because you talk about like awesome chopping of swords and heads coming off bodies, man. This movie had it. All right. Well, now that you said that, I got to get mine. Talk amongst yourself for a minute. All right. Jeffrey. So I don't know if you heard my, uh, my initial feelings about Highlander. You know what? I haven't, and I'm sorry. I'm I'm uh, just dropping in late. I don't want to do the well. What did I miss? And then the podcast gets doubled, kind of thing. But what, no, we, what were we, you guys? We just kind of got into it. We were doing oh. a whole bunch of like new movie news and stuff for a while. I look forward to listening to that because there's um, lots of stuff and everything. But no, I was saying I did not enjoy Highlander. Okay, now is this the first time you've seen it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd never seen it before watching it for the podcast. Okay, cool. Now, did you um, like, did you ever like watch the TV show or any of that kind of stuff? No. No, never, never saw this, never saw the TV show, never okay. saw the sequel. Okay. So, um, if you don't mind me asking, like, uh, now, did you already go through like your initial kind of like what you felt with it and everything? Well, I was just talking a little bit, like, one of my biggest issues of it was with um, Christopher Lambert. Okay. I just, I, he lacked a certain sort of genuineness to the, of the character because he was trying too hard to understand how English worked. Okay. I feel. Okay. Um, you know, he just, he didn't understand the context of his character or, okay. or, or the subtext of, of, of a lot of what his character was going through. I was saying to John, like, it's like he read, you know, he read the lines, he said the lines, he did the reactions that the script called for, but reactions and feeling weren't genuine because I don't think he understood it. Okay. To me, yeah, to me, he's the weakest part of this movie. Like, I I have a different opinion. I do like Highlander. I mean, I'm not going to throw it up there as being... I, I did read some reviews where people are like, this is the best sword and sorcery movie ever. It's way better than all those others. I read that, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to take it that far. Like, I like it. Like, there's Because I used to watch the TV show, and, and you know, I always... I remember bits and pieces of watching this um, earlier on as a kid, it's not the greatest, you know, but it's got a, it, as a cult classic, it's got a special little place in my heart, but definitely the weakest thing to me about Highlander is Christopher Lambert. So when we talk a little bit later about if they're going to do a remake of this, I love the idea of the story of Highlander. Yeah. It's got all those elements to mm-hmm. a, a story where I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, I, I like it. I like this. Yeah. I like the I mean, idea of this, but I don't like Christopher Lambert. 
I, I, I can kind of get behind the idea of, you know, and, and someone who's immortal having to really essentially kind of reinvent themselves with every generation. I, 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 I know. To fit in and not draw attention um, yeah. all the time. And I, and I know we're going to get into questions in a second, but I, and I'm, I'm sorry to kind of cut across you, Jeff, but yeah, you guys hit on it. That, I thought the concept for this was very cool. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I bet you there's, you, you know, some movie aficionados can come out and say, oh, well, here's the 40 movies that this kind of does the same thing. But I found this, you know, we're always saying, man, why doesn't Hollywood come up with something unique? I thought this was very cool and very a unique story. You know, like, I mean, these guys that are forced to fight each other and like you said, just kind of go through time and have to reinvent themselves and, and blend in. And I just, you know, I always kind of get fascinated by reading about accounts of people that live to be 90 or 100. And you think, oh, look at all the things that they've seen in their lives. And then this introduces characters that were like, you know, I think didn't the Sean Connery character, wasn't he, didn't he say he was like originally from like Egypt or something like that? Yeah, he was from like 800 BC or something. Yeah. And you think, my gosh, think of obviously it's fictional, but I just get fascinated with all the different things that they've seen. I, I, I thought, I think the story concept is pretty cool. And they kind of go through their, it, it seems that, you know, okay, so there were times in the past when, okay, they fought in the wars and they were soldiers. And then there were times in the past when, okay, they're just like deciding to like party and like he gets into the duel and the guy keeps stabbing him and he's just, ah, ha, 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 you know, mm -hmm. he can't, and they're being silly. And then it seems like in the modern time, it's like all the immortals just decide to just be like undercover. Like they don't want to be found out, you know? Um, so it's, 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 I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the concept of it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Just the, the execution of it seemed, I, I had a hard time with the execution of it. I thought the writing was awful. There was just a, a lot of dialogue that was just pointless. Okay. Or, maybe well-intended, but again, because of uh, the struggle to understand the English language just didn't come across the right way. Now, I don't know much about, was, is Christopher Lambert obviously not a native, I don't know anything about him. What, what is his like native language? I no, mean, he's, he's French, and when he started this movie, he knew no English at all. Oh, okay, okay. He had been, the only other English language movie that he had been in was a movie about Tarzan, so he didn't really have to do a whole lot of talking. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's he's French, and he obviously he knows more English now. But uh, no, he was learning English at the time they were making this movie. So some of the times they were Jeff, like you said, some of the times they were kind of feeding him his lines and saying, "Here's what we want you to say. Um, here's kind of what it means, and here's a voice coach that's going to help you try to say this in a way that doesn't sound French, but kind of sounds Scottish, but kind of not because you're really old and you've lived in all these different places and you have a weird accent." Yeah, he does have a weird, yeah. Yeah, it really reminded me, there was a TV show that, that uh, Sharon and I were watching a few years ago, and it was, Jeff and I talked earlier about how I ruin TV shows, and this was a TV show where I, we got into it like right off the bat, and it ended after one season, and it was called New Amsterdam. Did you guys ever catch that? No. No, no. It's the, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his name, so I'm not even going to try it, um, Nick, well, it's Nikolai... Caster Waldau, or the guy who plays Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. Okay. He was, he played a character, it was very much like Highlander. He played a character who had lived in New Amsterdam, which is what they used to call New York City, 
he lived in New Amsterdam and he was, was he shot or was he stabbed or something, but he had helped right before somebody killed him uh, or hurt him, mortally wounded him. He had helped a Native American woman's daughter or family member. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a little sketchy on the details, but um, so she put some kind of a spell on him so that he would continue to live until he found his true love. And so the idea of this TV show is a little bit like Highlander meets Law and Order in that he had lived all these different lives. He had to reinvent himself every generation. And he had lived all these lives in New York City. And so the the TV show was taking place modern day. And he was able, he was a, a detective with the police force. And he was able to solve these crimes because of his knowledge of New York City or New Amsterdam throughout the ages. You know, okay. so he, he knew the city really well. He knew places where people could hide things or, um, you know, he knew maybe a, a criminal now. He knew their great-grandfather, and so he knew something about their family or, okay. or whatever. So it was it was kind of a cool show, um, and it was a similar idea because he – there was a character that was kind of helping him. You know, it was kind of like his uh, his Alfred, uh, you know, Batman's Alfred. It was his okay. Alfred, and it was a much older man, but it turns out it was actually his son. Um, so his son okay. looked older than him just because he would never age and, and all the people that he loved would age and get older. Um, so we really liked that show. So I, I like the idea of that, the premise, like you were saying, Pat, of you've got to reinvent yourself. You, you're living forever. You, you know, how do you deal with that? And I heard some reviewers say, and we're kind of piling it on Christopher Lambert, but like I said, I mean, he's one of the biggest issues I have with this movie, um, I've heard some reviewers say, you know, he really does capture that idea of being world weary and time weary. Like, um, no, he's just a very wooden actor. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't see a whole lot of emotion coming from him. I mean, when he and Sean Connery are running on the beach and they're laughing, and it, I mean, that just brought back really bad flashbacks of the the Rocky scene where they're running on the beach and and right. hugging each other, <laughs> and yeah, um. I wonder why 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 cast someone that has so little experience and especially no command of the English English language whatsoever. Yeah. Cast him as the as the main character. Guys, I got to step up. I'm sorry. I, I just heard like a quickening level something crash upstairs. I'll be right back. I got to yeah, go run. for it. Yeah, I don't know. Like I I don't know. I I can't think of anywhere in the in the notes as I read up on this um I, I didn't have the DVD commentary so I wasn't able to listen to it but I don't know I and and obviously they kept him through the rest of or most of the rest of the Highlander movies yeah I don't know because yeah. obviously obviously he's not Scottish and the whole idea of calling it the Highlander to me is like you you should have somebody who's Scottish be the Highlander if that's your character but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think he was my my biggest struggle with the movie was I just I didn't believe him. Mm -hmm. And if I you know if, if I can't believe him, I'm not going to believe any of the movie. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was I was way more interested in the other characters. I, I was interested in Sean Connery's character. I was interested in the Kurgan. Um, you know, actually, those two were probably the most interesting. I was more interested in his, uh, in Christopher Lambert's character's assistant, the one where you find out he was, she was the little girl that he rescued in World War II. 
Um, you know, I was more interested in her backstory than I was some of this other stuff. But mm-hmm. and I like the I like the flashbacks. Like I like the flashbacks to the different time periods, and you know, seeing him as he was when he first found out he was an immortal. If I were to, you know, and I'm kind of you know bleeding into the the question about if they were remaking this, what should they do differently? If I was going to redo this movie, I would almost say maybe let's focus on one time period. You know, let's let's do this. Let's have this be a period piece where it takes place in Scotland, and he's just found out he's an immortal, and let's let it run its course that way. And then, if you want to make a sequel after that, then you make a sequel that takes place fifty to a hundred years later. And then you do another period piece movie where he's got to fight somebody in uh, I don't know the sixteen hundreds. And then, if you want to make another movie, then you do one during the American Revolution. And yeah, to me, the the concept of it is tailor-made for what Hollywood wants now. It's like a, a built-in franchise. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I'm thinking through the construction of the story. And, you know, maybe if when he first learns that he's an immortal and Sean Connery first shows up, you know, he shared, Sean Connery shares with him in so many years there's going to be a gathering mm-hmm. just so we know why it's important that we're coming across him now in 1985. Right. Like that just seemed random. Yeah. You know, what, what's so important about that time period. So you give that time period some, some relevance. This is a time period. We know when this thing is going to happen, when, when somebody's going to get the prize and then we can, you know, still do flashbacks of what, did he struggle with throughout history and what did he learn about himself throughout history? And maybe then those things become important and relevant in his battle uh, at the end. All I know is he looks tired and he's got some old alcohol (laughs) and and a bunch of swords. Yeah. I like, yeah, I, I don't know. I would just, there's just so much about this movie that I just didn't care about. Yeah. Well, and, and to me, that's, that's the part that's a shame because I really think, I really think the concept is solid. Like the concept, you could take that in so many different directions. This thing should be a series of movies. This thing should be a video game. Um, you know, action figures that I, if, you know, we're getting into the business part of Hollywood here, um, thanks to old man McTiernan, but, um, you know, to me, this just like has all the built-in stuff. It's it's sword fights. It's immortals sword fighting each other. What more do you need? Yeah, and because I started questioning, like, ah, maybe I, you know, is it that I don't like fantasy movies as much as I thought I did, or is my struggle fantasy movies that try to blend in with reality, mm-hmm. or you know, supposed reality? But I'm like, no, like. I dig Labyrinth. I dig Neverending Story. I'm trying to remember. How do you? Um, what was your opinion of the original Terminator movie? We did that one so long ago. I can't remember. I don't think I joined you for that one. Okay. What? How, how do you feel about the original Terminator movie? Um. I remember liking it. Okay. I don't. I don't think it was amazing. But then again. You know, 
But that's more sci-fi than fantasy. Yeah, but there were pl- there were several times, even with the music, there were several times in this movie that I got a Terminator vibe going on. Um, Pat, we were just I, you you jump back. Are you back with us? I'm back. Sorry, I, no, I, yeah. we're all going upstairs. Life is good. I'm okay. back. All right. Um, there's now only one person alive in your house. <laughs> yeah, there's only one. There can be only one. Um, so we were just talking, like, what what is this movie? If it was poorly executed but the concept is good and it's there. We were just kind of talking about what would it need to do differently to be a more solid movie. And I was asking Jeff kind of what his opinion was of the original Terminator. Cause there were several times that I got a very Terminator kind of vibe from this movie, like with the Kurgan hunting people down um, and killing them, even some of the music, the way the music was. And even in some of the fight scenes, maybe just with the, um, the lighting or the, the cinematography of the fight scenes and, uh, I, I got a very Terminator kind of vibe with some of that. I, I, I felt the same way watching it this time, the Terminator thing. And um, some, yeah, you're right. Some of the music and the way he was getting, they were getting hunted down. And then also kind of the, I don't want to say low budget, but like the original Terminator had that too, where it wasn't necessarily phenomenal special effects and all that of the later ones, but it was just, it almost seemed like, well, I'll just say it. It just, well, I don't want to say it low budget, but it just, it yeah. kind of had that look, that gritty kind of simple camera look. There wasn't a lot of frills to it. And, and I, I kind of had that Terminator vibe going too. So yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Speaking of special effects, I was, I was reading up on how they did some of the effects for the movie and the, um, is this the car battery one? Yeah. Yeah. So the sparks coming off the sword, they had, cables attached or wires attached to the swords that ran down the actor's sleeves and like and attached to car batteries both one positive one negative so when they hit it would create a spark huh <laughs> i can't imagine getting away with that in hollywood now Mm-mm. i know i like, like how how do you put actors in that position i'm just trying to i'm trying to picture them oh, explaining it oh wire this car battery through your costuming so that this will spark and hopefully not set you on fire in the process. Yeah, Mr. Brown, uh, what we've done is we've fixed the problem with the prosthetic glue, so you're not going to have a horrible allergic reaction when we have to do this uh, this uh, skull cap on you to make you look bald. Um, but we, what we are going to do is we're going to connect you up with a car battery. And every time you fight and, and, and clang these metal things together that are connected to car batteries, there's going to be sparks. But you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Just keep smiling. Keep acting crazy. And, um, but, but the prosthetic glue thing, we, we got that fixed. Yeah, I, don't, I, just, I, I read that and I just had to pause and, and think about that. Like, yeah. God. No, I, I don't think you'd have any like union people allowing any of that anymore. Yeah. yeah. I can't see yeah, how that could ever be a thing yeah i yeah that's weird so that's the, definitely weird. so we've kind of said the concept is solid like this is something that could definitely be remade rebooted whatever um christopher lambert's a big problem with it so obviously he would well, hopefully uh he would not necessarily be in a remake of it um what did you think about the characters specifically i'm going to focus on two other ones um because i thought they were the two strongest characters in the movie, even more so than uh, Connor McLeod's character, was the Kurgan and uh, Juan's... I'm gonna, I, I get his name in the wrong order every 
Juan Sanchez, Villalobos, Juan Sanchez, Ramirez. Villalobos, Ramirez. There we go. So what about those two characters? How do you feel about them as characters? Did Sean Connery knock it out of the park and Clancy Brown, um, was, was he a villain for the ages or was he there? I thought Clancy Brown was a villain for this movie. Okay. Yeah, he was good. He was good. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, in terms of this movie, I think he was everything this movie needed in a villain. Now, yeah. is, he, is he a villain for the ages? No. No. Okay. But yeah. in terms of Highlander and my opinion of Highlander, I think he fits exactly what Highlander needed him to do. Okay. I yeah. thought I thought Sean Connery was kind of laughable. Okay. Yeah, I um again, I I like the concept of this movie very much. I I think that's what carries the whole thing. Um you know, I'm a I'm a Sean Connery fan, so I I don't necessarily think this was his maybe his strongest performance, yeah. but I dug it. I mean, I thought I thought he did a I thought he did a good job as that guy and, and uh, Villa Lobos Ramirez. Juan Sanchez um, Villa Lobos Ramirez. What was that? Juan Sanchez Villa Lobos Ramirez. That there you go. Um, yeah, so I thought he was good. Um, the Kurgan, I thought he was a fun bad guy. You know, I, when he gets into the car, it was uh, it was humorous, and I I don't know if they were Hi, necessarily. Mom. What was that? Hi, mom. <laughs> yeah, mom. And uh, yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know if this movie was going for humor with some of the things he did, or if it was going for just serious. I don't know exactly what they were going for with it, but he was entertaining, you know, as the bad guy. And he was like just this big, tough bad guy that it was like, man, how am I going to beat this guy? You know. So I thought they were good. I, I enjoyed him. So with some of that, I mean, I really liked, I really liked his character, particularly in the scenes where, you know, I, I thought the one scene where he's in the car uh, with Brenda went on a little bit too long, um, but I got it. They, you know, they had the Queen song, uh, Queen covering uh, New York, New York while they're doing all that. Um, and I thought that was kind of a fun scene just to kind of show how crazy he was. I mean, he knows he's not going to die if he wrecks this car um, mm -hmm. and he could really care less if he kills her. Um, probably one of my favorite scenes with him is uh, when he's in the church. And okay. Just kind of his whole interaction, just showing you kind of how crazy he is. And and uh, I, I, I've always loved that, his last line. I have something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I like his character, and I like Clancy Brown. Um, I liked his character. I had to chuckle. I mean, this was the first time in a while that I had seen this, and I did not remember, I don't know how I forgot it, I did not remember... Um, Sean Connery showing up with the uh, the peacock cape, huh. and like the moment that comes on screen, I'm like, <laughs> now I remember it. Okay, yeah, yeah that's that's a little um, it's a little out there, mm -hmm. but you know what? If you're like if you're 2,700 years old, you can rock the peacock cape all you want. Yeah, yeah. But I guess he's the. I mean, guess that's the kind of character, and and I don't know if it's in a joking way, but. There have been, there have been plenty of times where, you know, you have him in a movie and he's definitely got the the thick accent, but he's not playing a character that's supposed to be, you know, from Scotland. 
And I wonder if that's a little bit of a joke. He's like, you know, he has this Scottish accent, but he's supposed to be Spanish. And he's actually ancient Egyptian. Which then kind of goes along with the the messed up accent that Christopher Lambert has with his character, who's not Scottish, but also doesn't sound American and doesn't sound like anything. You talk funny. Where yeah. are you from? Yeah. Yeah, that, from a that lot was... Of I, I mean, I don't want to get too, like, nit... I think this movie is about guys with swords just trying to kill each other. Oh, and yeah. There can be only one. And so I don't want to, like, expect more than that from it. But that being said, that's kind of what I felt like. I was like, okay, are you Scottish or are you Spanish? Or wait, you said you're from Egypt or what's going on? You know, that's... Yeah. I'm not sure where they were necessarily going with all that. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So so let's break this down here. A couple, a couple things. If they do remake this movie, clearly, well, clearly, um, they may not do the Queen music again, which I thought was also probably one of the best parts of this movie was the Queen music in the soundtrack. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. So to me, I and some people kind of have that whole idea of Highlander being so intertwined with the Queen influence that if you don't have that, you know, what does that do to the movie? But... Um, if they remake this movie, and we've already kind of asked this a little bit, what do they need to do differently? Who would you have play in this movie, and what would you have take place? I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, that would you focus on just one time period instead of jumping around? Um, would you need somebody else, and who would you put in the Connor McLeod role if Christopher Lambert is, is one of the biggest problems with this? Because, um, again, I like the movie. And like, like you said, Pat, for me, this is a movie where I, I get a bit of that Terminator vibe where you've got this unstoppable killing thing that's after you. Um, but I also get a little bit of a... Um, I, I wanted to get maybe a little bit more of an original Star Wars vibe to this where you've got kind of the magic of the idea, like the immortals being like the Jedi and that there yeah. is a, a mythos that surrounds it. Um, I would want to see more of that if they were to remake it. Now, have you either of you guys seen Highlander Two? I have that. Have you seen that? I have not. Okay, don't. Jeff or, or um, John, have you seen it? Yes, I have. <laughs> Whoa! I earlier I kept referring to it as Highlander: The Crappening. I was just, I, I, if I woke up with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be, <laughs> I, I would be less surprised than I was in watching that movie. I was just like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, you're going that right. Oh, oh, okay. I, I feel like little... I, I feel like we might already have a few titles for this podcast episode. It's either yeah. going to be if I woke up with my head sewn to the carpet, or it's yeah. going to be a garage sale for a berserk screenwriter. Yeah, I, Jeff, <clears throat> I, I don't it, don't see Highlander want... two. Is is the thing we're All saying? Right, so so let, so let me put it this way: if I really did not enjoy Highlander. Is Highlander 2 something I should just run out and see, or should I just leave it be? Leave it be. You know what, Jeff? I don't know. It might be worth a watch just to be sit there and go, what? what is going on? Like, seriously, because you watch it and you're... Why would you do that to the poor man? I, well, I, I'm not forcing. I'm not saying you have to do it. I just... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, because to say it got obscure... Uh, uh, that that's an understatement. If you if you didn't like Highlander the movie, 
I would almost say go at least give a few episodes of the TV series a try. Oh, yeah. On a serious note, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Are, are we going to have a section to talk about the TV series? Or Yeah, we can take a minute here in a second. Okay. But no, cool. Highlander, the, the Highlander 2, the reason why Highlander 2 is you don't ever touch that ever um, is... Flying skateboards from planet Zarkon. Yeah. They, they I'm take... Sorry, what? <laughs> I, uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are dudes on flying skateboards from planet... It's planet Zarkon, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So does does that answer your question, Jeff? <laughs> let's let's put it All this right. way. It Highlander 2, what it does is it takes the things that I love about Highlander 1, the story, the idea that there are these immortals, the whole mythos behind the the immortal part of it, the whole sword and sorcery thing, and it turns immortals into aliens. From Planet Zarkon. From Planet Zarkon. That they were, I, 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 I'm going to forget some of the details, but they were banished from their planet. They were sent to Earth, and they were going to have to, they forgot that they were aliens, and they were going to have to be reborn there, and then they were going to have to battle each other to get the prize. And that's where all the quickening and the prize and the other stuff came from. Huh. Hence the reason why I refer to it as Highlander 2, the crappening. Yeah, and they went on to make what four of these movies? There were five movies total. Did a couple become okayish, or were they all just kind of? Mm. Uh, I have heard that Highlander three was it Highlander three that might not be horrible. Highlander Endgame, Highlander Endgame might have been the one where they had um, they brought the two. McLeods together, the um, Duncan McLeod from the TV show and Connor McLeod from the movies. Yeah. And then I think after that one, was it Endgame? After that one, then I don't think Christopher Lambert was in the movies anymore. I think it was um, the Duncan McLeod from the TV series was then in the movies. Okay. I think that's, I think he took over and that's for the other movies. So I can pull this up really fast. and Yeah. I um but yeah there were there were five movies total. Yeah. I I I think the yeah, I think the first one is it's a cult movie. You kind of oh, yeah. if you if you can deal with the flaws, you're going to and and get into it. I think it, it caters to a certain kind of thing. The later movies I don't think did anything to really polish it up let's and, put it this way jeff um i have heard people refer to people who like who like or love the highlander they have referred to the last highlander movie highlander the source as one of the well this is a family-friendly podcast so i can't use some of the words that they used uh, but highlander the source is one of the worst movies ever made wow and these are people who love the highlander material yeah Seriously, Jeff, I would if you're looking for something to check out, I would check the show out. Um, because yeah. I, I, I got into the show before I got into the movie. I mean, because the show was out, and you know, you could watch that. The movie obviously came with an R rating, so um, I didn't watch that till later. But I really, uh, I really dug the. I, I really the show is really well done. I think. I think it's well acted. I think the plots in it are good. The characters are interesting. Um, and I binged the whole thing a couple of years ago. I watched the whole thing from start to end, and it's 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 pretty cool what they do with the show. Yeah, I'll see if it's on Netflix. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, you, yeah, if you're wanting to if you're wanting to take any of this and and give something else a try from the Highlander series, definitely I would do the TV show. Yeah, and John was one of the questions I don't know that you did ask before we started ranting on Highlander too. Did you say what are the parts of the movie that you'd want to bring out more? I think we were kind of talking around that. Or... Yeah, if if they were to remake this, if they were to fix the things that you know, and and I think Pat, you and I, I think like this movie, mm -hmm. um, but we admit it's flawed and mm -hmm. it's got some. It's got some big problems. Um, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking I would definitely want to have a different type of person in that lead role. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this earlier, just you know, kind of running it through my head. I would almost, I would almost split this up into multiple movies. I mean, that's what Hollywood wants right now, anyway. Is they want to have multiple movies so right. they can just create that built-in franchise feel. And I was thinking through it, and I'm like, you know what? I would want, I think what I would want to do is I would want to take the first movie and have the first movie be, um, you know, the kind of the introduction to Connor McCloud, and he finds out that he's an immortal, and then he has to deal with that. And then he mm -hmm. battles some lower-level immortal at the end of the first movie. Right. You know, he gets his training, and he battles some lower-level guy at the end of the first movie. Okay, then second movie. Then you move on to maybe second movie. Maybe you introduce the Kurgan, um, you know, partway through the first movie, and then second movie, then you skip ahead. Instead of jumping around time periods like this movie did, maybe mm -hmm. you have each movie be a different time period. Right. And then you can always flash back to other time periods uh, from before. Until finally you get to, you know, movie number three or four or whatever, and you have to fight the Kurgan. Mm -hmm. You know, or you get to the point where it's it's the gathering and he has to fight his mentor because the, the immortals have to fight. There can be only one. That was the part where I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a, a little more torment there, not in like a sadistic way, but a little more torment and say, okay, there can be only one. And that's kind of a rule of these immortals. What if he ended up having to fight, you know, his mentor, the guy who trained him? If he had, if Christopher Lambert's character had to fight Sean Connery's character, I would have liked to have seen that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now absolutely. I don't. Now I don't think Christopher Lambert could have pulled off the emotion that would need to be in that scene. Well, mm -hmm. that's the thing. Like, there's so much emotion that was lacking. Yeah. You know, because of, you know, there should have been more emotion there. Right. Yeah. Because he's lived so long, he's seen so much, and he's been through so much. How has that affected him? How has that made him who he is in 1985? Instead of just saying he's tired. Right. Right. There yeah. was actually a there was actually a deleted scene I think that didn't make it in where the Kurgan fights somebody and the guy like allows the Kurgan to kill him because he's just tired of being immortal. Yeah. I was like, I would have been curious to see that. Yeah. And, oh, go ahead, Pat. I was just going to say an explanation of the rules. Like, he's got to fight his mentor. Why do they have to fight? What's the hmm. What's the reason behind that? You know, th that's all I was going to say, Jeff. Go ahead. Well, you know, and so this guy's been alive a couple hundred years. You know, there, there's got to be relationships that have, and friendships that have grown and dissolved because of circumstances beyond control. Where's the torment with that? Where's the you know where's the struggle of not allowing himself to to 
to connect with anyone because he knows of the eventual pain that it's going to bring. Mm-hmm. Right, and you get that a little bit with Heather, but, you know. I... But very, very little bit. Yeah. You know, that's what I would love to, I think, seen more and wanted more is, you know, for someone that's been alive for a couple hundred years, there's a lot there that should be weighing on his mind that you just don't get. And I, you know, I I don't know why I'm not going to speculate as to why it didn't happen, but I think it should have happened. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would have liked it more if I felt like I, I gave a damn about Connor McLeod. Yeah. The reality is, I didn't care about him. There was nothing there for me to care about. You know, here's a guy walking around that apparently went to a professional wrestling match with a sword down his pants because all of a sudden he's walking down the street and out of nowhere just pulls out this sword. Mm-hmm. Is it, like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? all times? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Well, no, you I, mean, for other reasons. I mean, you you go to a baseball game, you take your mitt with you, so just in case there's a foul ball, you go to a wrestling match, you take your sword with you. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I, part of the costuming, and like I said, I, I was fascinated by it, and I think they do the same thing in the show. He's always walking around with an overcoat, and it's seemingly like the sword just can magically get covered up in there. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, like, razor sharp, but he never cuts himself. I always thought that was kind of cool, him walking around in the trench coat, and all of a sudden the sword just kind of appears. Um, I know it's, you know, not believable and all that kind of deal. But It needs, uh, it needs to be like the Kurgan sword that he puts together. Yeah, yeah, I, that, that was pretty cool. I, um, do not speak to me <laughs> again. I'm going to say that. Like, the next time, it's like the first week of sixth grade band, and it's just, you know, Jeff, sixth grader, I'm just going to be like, do not speak in class. Okay. Um, I'm going to try that too. Jeff, I, at, I, Jeff I, at the end of summer school is, is going to be like, guys, I have something to say. It's better to burn out than fade away. And then he's just going to walk out the door. <laughs> That's right. He's, drop, he's dropping the microphone. You know what, though? It's interesting because as you're saying, you know, like you wish, well, they could have developed this or that, the other thing a little bit more. I, I almost... I'm beginning to wonder if this, the way that this story, how in-depth it is, I wonder if it fits more with a miniseries because I feel like in the yeah. show, they, they really did that. I mean, it, it really, the show was really fascinating and they did, they jumped back in time and forward in time, but they could, because it was a, an ongoing series, they could, you could really explore that backstory and then jump forward in time and the actor was able to bring, you know, uh, some of the emotion up, but they were able to go in depth uh, a little bit more. Don't you think? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think the concept de- almost demands that. It, yeah. It, it, it almost requires that you have this opportunity to look at and, and learn about everything from the past, you know, couple hundred years that this character has been around. Yeah, and um, it's cool because, you know, he meets bad guys, and each guy kind of has his own sword and his own theme, and, and, you know, one guy fights with a broadsword, one guy fights with, like, a more like a fencing rapier kind of thing, one guy fights with a samurai, so, you know, like, that, everyone kind of has I was, their own. That's what I was saying earlier. This is tailor-made to be a video game, and yeah. a movie series, a TV series, a video game, action figures, I, it's... Hollywood needs to take this jump on it and, and milk it for all it's worth because it's, it's just, it's built for that. Yeah. 
John, did you see much of the series? The TV series? Yeah. Just episodes here and there. Like, I didn't watch it religiously. I wasn't there, you know, every week, you know, catching every episode. But I, I remember, you know, I, I remember a couple of things here and there. Okay. Because they, I mean, then they, they, not only do they explore, they, they go down all sorts of rabbit holes yeah. with, uh, with this whole immortal thing. And I'd like to go back and rewatch it. Is it, I got to look and see if it's on Netflix or somewhere like that, but. I'm going to shut up because I'm going to start ruining stuff and I don't want to be totally like that guy ruining, but there's some okay. really cool things that they explore with immortals and ideas behind this, yeah. this world that they create. So, yeah, that's why I said earlier, I, from what I do remember, Jeff, if you were going to watch anything after this movie, I'd almost do the TV series rather than the movies. Cause I think they probably just do a better job of continuing yeah, the story if, of the original. If I, if I can find them, I would definitely try to check it out. And, you know, I, I try to give it a shot with an open mind. Yeah. I just, I don't think it worked as this particular movie. I, you know, I already said my concept for the movie yeah. that I would do. And um, who would you, who would you cast as the, uh, the major three characters? Juan, Connor, and the Kurgan. Well, you know, up until our conversation over the last half hour, my response to that question is I wouldn't at all. <laughs> Let it die. But I think that there is, there, there is hope for a decent movie to come out of this concept. So I didn't really give much thought as to who I would cast. Okay. I'll, I'll have to think about that a little bit. Okay. Pat, do you have an idea? If you, if you were casting this movie, who would you put in the, I'm always, I'm always bad at this. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I went and looked at a list of the, like I, I wanted there to be, if it's called the Highlander, like I, here I go with my Scottish pride stuff. If it's called the Highlander, I want it to be somebody Scottish in the lead role. And I really want it to play up that, you know, kind of the Scottishness of this. And yeah. so I think I, I kind of looked at maybe somebody like Gerard Butler. Okay. You know, from 300, I can see him doing the fighting. I, but then yeah. I also thought, you know, Ewan McGregor could do this too. You know, he did the fighting then in, uh, you know, as Obi-Wan in the Star Wars movies. And we've, we've seen him in that role where we know he can go from, you know, being a younger character to getting closer to playing an older version of himself. And I, I've got my Ramirez figured out. Who's that? Christopher Eccleston. Oh, that would be a great one. Right? Yeah. It, I, I would watch what, that. Who's Christopher Eccleston again? He was when they rebooted uh, Doctor Who. He was the first of the Doctor Whos. Oh, yeah. The, okay. He was Destro in the G.I. Yeah. Joe. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. That's a good one. I think he has that ability to be a really good mentor for someone. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. What about the Kurgan? Who would you have play the Kurgan? I think I would ask Clancy Brown to come back. Yeah, he really... I thought he did a good job with it. Um, big, scary... Big, big scary, scary dude. Because they... I don't know, Pat, if you were around, they are... They have been talking in the last few years about doing a reboot of this. Mm. And um, the people that they had in mind 
were uh, let's see, Tom Hardy to play Connor McLeod, and okay. and uh, Dave Bautista, the wrestler, to be the Kurgan. Okay. Which I, I guess yeah, I can kind of I, see. Yeah. I don't know. Dave Bautista doesn't have that kind of crazy vibe that I, I get from the Kurgan and that I probably would want to see if they did a remake. Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely need to do that. Or I don't know, or sometimes maybe it's just go find, like you said, go find a good, strong Scottish actor that maybe no one's heard of. Maybe he's yeah. only been in, like, B-movie, more indie things and, and all that, and this is kind of his first big break type deal. Maybe that would be the, the way to go with that. All right. It would be an interesting Connor McLeod, although not Scottish. Sorry, John. No, go ahead. Um, Domo Gleason. Yeah. And what was, who is he? What's he been in? He's, um, he was General Hux in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Okay. The red-headed uh, First Order guy. Yeah. He's gotcha. been a lot of other stuff, too. Uh, Ex Machina, if you haven't seen that, that's a great movie. Okay. I, there's something about his, his acting style and mm-hmm. the way that he can portray a character that even though he may not seemingly have the physicality, mm-hmm. I feel like he could make up for it in the way that he can emote and the way that he can act. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing with these, that's the thing with these immortals is they don't have to be these muscle bound, you know, gigantic people. They're just immortal. That doesn't mean that they're going to be really strong. Right. Yeah. That would be kind of interesting to have a, you know, to have a, a smaller guy play, play this kind of action role type thing. Yeah. I can see that. That'd be a good one. And again, I, I mean, not to say you don't want to have strong actors, but the story really, the, the plot, the, the whole world that they create, that's kind of the draw. So right. not to say that the actors don't have to, you know, be good, mm-hmm. but you, you don't need to, it's not like reinventing the wheel. It's not like they need to carry this kind of weak, story or anything the story's cool yeah the the concept is is cool all they need is someone that can just really you know bring these characters to life you know so as long as you got someone with good acting chops that you know kind of fits the fits the bill so to speak then i think you got it you know oh yeah i didn't like the movie but i'm fascinated enough that it made me question my whole appreciation and enjoyment of the fantasy genre. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I I mean i think there's uh, if we're doing like final thoughts things, i think there might be you could say there's some flaws in there. Again, it's a movie that when i think about it afterwards i'm like, "Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome." And the sword fights are cool when i watch it. There's okay, there's things, but uh mm-hmm. Again, that's where you just jump to the TV series and they really iron out all the wrinkles with that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. I mean, I, I really like the movie. I like the sword fights. I, I like the concept of it um, execution-wise with some of the acting and the dialogue and, and that type of stuff. You know, not so strong. Um, but I, definitely it's, it's the best one of the whole Highlander movie series. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if anybody's if anybody's watched this movie and they want to go beyond this movie, I I would say just go to the TV show and check that out. Um, the one thing maybe we'll take a little bit of time next time um, to talk about this. Maybe we'll we'll cut into our new movie news section and talk about this. Um, I was kind of interested in, but but this would take a whole lot more time than than what we've got right now. I was interested in the idea of this being a music video director that became a feature filmmaker. And hmm. like his style of filmmaking, and you know, because up to this point he had done, maybe, I think it was like a Duran Duran video and some Queen videos and stuff like that. So he was not a feature film director; uh, he was a music video director. And um, I was just gonna have us talk for a minute on that, but why don't we? We'll save that until next time, and, and maybe okay. bring uh, Dennis in to talk a little bit about kind of filmmaker style and, and stuff like that too. But um, so think about that for next time, because I had a list of. Um, some music video directors that have become uh, feature film directors, and it's kind of interesting to look at, you know, those guys that have made that transition. And was one of them John McTiernan? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, oh. He, you know, he's just he's he's busy in his house polishing his shotgun, um, you know, ready to <laughs> jump out and kill any poor kid that comes across his house dressed in a superhero Halloween costume. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Pat, you'll have to go back and listen to the beginning of the episode to, to understand what we're talking about. Oh, okay, okay. That's apparently, fine. apparently, I'll the director, the director of the original Die Hard movies, has gone a little cuckoo. But oh, oh, I, well, then I really do want to uh, check that. Go out. back and listen. It'll be in the. It'll I, be in the I shared movie. some quotes earlier in the uh, in the episode, so you're going to want to listen to those. And all right, I'll I'll look, I look forward to uh, getting a text message from you soon. Okay. Cool. As soon as I as soon as I listen to it, we'll what the with the okay it, director of Die Hard. Got your, it. Your text message will probably be like three letters with a bunch of question marks. Yeah. Just, what? Okay. <laughs> All righty. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode, episode number seventy nine. Um, I feel like I feel like it should be something special for episode number eighty since we do all eighties stuff and maybe How about legend. Let's do legend. That would be awesome. I- Let's do it. I think I, that's a that's a great plan. I'm excited to be a part of this. Nice. Let's I, do it. I need somebody's face to slap, but there's nobody here. So, slap yourself. Okay. There you go. Done. All right. Uh, so you can reach us thirty podcastcom That's got all the other ways to reach us: Twitter, Facebook, uh, email, voicemail, all that other fun stuff. You can find us on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play Podcasts, iTunes. You can listen to us directly on thirty podcastcom We are on Instagram as well. Um, and you can find us again next time. We'll be back here next Wednesday with uh, Tom Cruise and Tim Curry in the movie Legend. So until then, thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Thank you, Pat. You're welcome, man. Thank you, John. Thank you, myself. It was good to see you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you guys. It's been a little while since we've all all been together. Yeah. All righty. Everybody have a good time. Go see some good movies, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Yeah.